Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to our maiden voyage. The first time we're ever going to try doing a live recording, Danny and I, here on Twitch. Of course, if you're just listening on Dunked On Later, everything should be about the same. We might take some questions at the end, though, here. We're going to start with the top 10 players in the NBA, uh, finishing up uh, our series, ranking all of the positions. And this is going to be a fun one this year, especially challenging to rank some of the players who haven't played much this year, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Uh, and then you've got really a bunch of other young players coming up. It seems like the talent level in the league has never been higher. I, I've I struggled really cutting it off even at 10, and I went all the way down into the 15 to 20 range personally. But uh, Danny, you ready to go here? What, is, what are the uh, criteria that we're going to be judging these players on? The template for this is the exact same as the position by position rankings in that we are pretending that we are starting a season right now an 82 game season and then you have a playoffs following it so that would start you know in 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 late march and you imagine not the player on their specific team but you know kind of how it would be for in general so so that could be if somebody is more portable that's a positive if somebody can do can do a lot of different things if they can slide into different roles that's great and and um, so things like age matter, have versatility matters, um, playoff performance and viability in the playoffs matters a lot because all all, all of the players in my top 10 are good enough to be the best player on a playoff team. So then getting there is very important. What you do when you're there, sorry. Yeah, and the idea here, we're starting an NBA season right now. We want to win a championship. This is a little bit different than we got into at some of the position rankings because with those you're going so far down the list that not every team is in a position to win a championship. The players who can just get you into the playoffs have value. But as Danny said, we're more really focusing on, yeah, regular season value is good, but you better really be able to perform in the playoffs. So I think we'll put more of an emphasis on really getting to be a great player in that crucible. Uh, With injured guys, we're going to assume basically that they're healthy, right? We're going to assume that Kevin Durant has recovered from his Achilles tendon tear and he is healthy right now to start the season. But we're going to price in the fact that he took a year off and he's coming back from Achilles tendon tear. Same thing, Kyrie Irving will say he's healthy from that shoulder surgery, but maybe there's going to be a reduction in performance from that. So the next thing that really is big to me is that I think the biggest skill in the NBA is efficiently creating shots for yourself and others. That to me is the premium skill. Defense matters, especially as you go up the positional spectrum towards bigger players. But the difference between the best and worst offensive player is a lot greater than the best and worst defensive player. And in some ways, it's harder to hide a bad offensive player than it is to hide a bad defensive player. There's nobody who can help you if you can't make a three-pointer. You're just going to not get guarded. Uh, So uh, finally then, Danny, uh, explain our tiers system to those who might be unfamiliar. Nate and I... I was talking with somebody today and realized that it's really good that we're of similar minds on this because it would have made a lot of this stuff that we do so much harder. The way that this works is that if players are in the same tier, that means you can make a credible argument that they should be in a different order. And then if they are in different tiers, then you're saying there's a a meaningful difference between those two. So if you have, or if I have players four and five in the same tier, and you're all mad that five is better than four and all that type of stuff, well... As long as you think they're in the same tier, that's not really as much of an argument. Now, if you think player five should be in a better tier, all that, we can have those conversations, and I'm sure we will. But I think that that is the general idea, is that the tiers make mark a material step. And that was, I have more tiers in the top 10 this year, I believe, than I have ever had which I am openly unsure about. Like that was something I'm being, I don't know how I feel about that, but it was just when I started to, when I started the idea of like, okay, where does this guy belong? There were some where I wasn't sure. So I just put them in their own. Yeah. My personal philosophy on the tiers as well is 
Well, you got to be at least be able to make a credible argument in my mind that even if you're ranking one player below another, you've got a credible argument that that player is better than the player ranked above them. If you're going to put them in the same tier, you might ultimately split hairs and say, okay, I think this guy is better than this guy, but you really need to at least have some doubt in your mind, right? If you can't, if you don't think there's any chance in your mind that this player is better than this player, then they shouldn't be in the same tier. That's kind of my thought. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, Did you, do you feel like you had a different criteria in the position than the position rankings? Uh, because we're talking about the top 10 here, you know, like if, would you like to the point where you might even rank one player higher in these rankings than you did in the position rankings, or does it not quite get to that level for you? It, it does in a very specific example where, uh, basically it was the idea. I actually brought this up in one of the recent, recent pods we did on the position rankings. It's the idea of like, well, if they're good enough to get you there, then what they do when they're there is more important. And uh, there was a part of the argument I used on Steph Curry over James Harden last year, but it has crystallized more for me this year, incidentally, given everything that's going on. But yeah, I, I think so. That was something I wouldn't say that's necessarily something that changed it relative to the position rankings. It was something that changed within me while we were doing them. So, like for example, I think that was between the small forward and the power forward ones. So it made me think about the small forwards differently than I did then. But yeah, I think you yeah. can make an argument that the same idea is in place. Yeah, and I guess if you're getting down to like, you know, the it doesn't really become an issue of like regular season versus postseason value as much until you get down a little bit lower. I think also when you're talking about, okay, who's, you know, a Clay Thompson great second banana versus a kind of mediocre first banana, you know, so that that's here. All these players are kind of on the same playing field. So I, I think it's it, it makes a little bit more sense here. Um, we're also going to be comparing our list to last year's Oof. as well. Uh, which a uh, lot, lot of movement uh, yes. from last year, that's for sure. Um, well, and, and incidentally, last year, I, I, ha- I keep the dates on my documents in the title for this exact reason. Last year, we recorded this on March 20th, and this year, we're recording it on March 23rd. So think about all that happened in the last 12 months. You had the end of the regular season, all of last year's playoffs, and then the entirety of this year's regular season, at least so far. So that and we had injuries, we had players prove themselves in the playoffs, we had players come and establish a new level of quality during the regular season. So yeah, a lot has a lot has happened. I I will say this as an introduction because I think this is appropriate to mention here. I worry when I went I didn't I deliberately never looked back at my old list until I finished my new one. And when I did that so I could put in the old numbers and all that sort of stuff for comparison, it made me worry that I'm a little bit too reactionary. That like I mean for example like Paul George I had a little bit high last year and everything else like that. So I don't know if like it made me rethink my own list. I didn't didn't change anything but it made me kind of wish that i did yeah it's interesting uh, being too reactionary sometimes though you want to get ahead of trends you want to trust what your eyes uh yeah are actually seeing i tend to be a little bit more conservative on this list though especially because you're just at the absolute highest levels it's very hard for me to say that i really believe in you if you haven't done it at close to a championship level against championship level of teams and so that's going to be a big differentiator for me also, uh, a lot of these stats that we'll be quoting here, we're going to post that at Patreon, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue, where I put together basically all of the relevant stats that I like to look at for these teams with a little help from our director of basketball research, Ben Dell. So we'll be making that available at Patreon. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about the top 10 players in the NBA. Yeah, so those of you who are following along on Twitch here for the first time, we usually just take an ad break and then insert that later. So you actually get to not have the ad break. The downside is if one of us has to take a break or I have to stop to look something up, you're just going to get a pause and some dead air. So hopefully you're okay with that because we got to prioritize the podcast. All right. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone 
is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us kenny give me your tier one uh yeah i mean so I'll, I'll start actually with with this idea which is that i firmly believe that Giannis is the best regular season player and i i don't think it's particularly close i've gotten a little bit frustrated thankfully tim bon, uh, bontemps mvp straw poll had Giannis number one in mvp i firmly believe that had it in our awards however partially and again this is like our youtube reactionary i believe that Giannis and Kawhi both get you there and they're both great once you're there but I trust Kawhi more to get his shot, and I think the defensive margin, once intensity goes up, once you don't have to deal with load management and all that, that tightens up, and so I I put Kawhi 1, Giannis 2, that's my tier 1. It's very interesting. I had a three-person <laughs> tier 1. Which I nearly did. That was that was my, one, my first existential crisis. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard was number 1 for me, uh, I think. I mean, I, I don't like to think of this as like, oh, you've earned the crown necessarily, no, but, I don't either. But I think last year he was the best player in the playoffs. If anything, I think he's looked better and healthier this year. He was better than Giannis in the playoffs last year. I do think that his skill set, including being able to get to a mid-ranger against just about anyone, just about whenever he wants to, is something that is extremely difficult to stop. I think he looks better defensively this year. The numbers certainly would support that in terms of him looking a lot better defensively this year. Yeah, remember he had a shaky regular season defensively last year for the Raptors, who were a great defensive team. It just wasn't attributable necessarily to him. Uh, Something else on that... Yeah, well, quickly on Kawhi, too. Sure. 
ninth in defensive rpm in the entire league that's pretty good and raptor really high in defensive rpm as well 3.4 uh in raptor Kawhi and Giannis are actually the same and that's just for regular season performance and then you throw in that Kawhi was able to kind of stop Giannis last year as well I mean I think we haven't seen and Kawhi Leonard is one of the greatest playoff players of all time like his playoff resume is absolutely ridiculous from even going back to his early years with the Spurs 2014 finals MVP wasn't the individual force there but he really if you look at his numbers they are just fantastic well and and think about where that would have been if he hadn't gotten injured against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals I mean yeah I mean maybe they take that team to six games probably you know that's probably where that series was headed if they they win that game one probably if he remains healthy so yeah I mean and, and so Giannis just hasn't proven that yet um but Kawhi is my number one. LeBron James is my number two, and Giannis wow. is my number three. That that is my my tier one. And again, this just goes back to the fact that LeBron has done it before. I think I was certainly worried about his health, but I'm still worried about his ability to score. He was starting to answer some of those questions for me just before the hiatus of having some really big games against good teams and. His defense is so much better this year. That was a major problem for him last year. Last year, obviously, after the groin issue, I think I ranked him, what did I rank him last year? Yeah, fifth last year. I had him fourth. So in in the second tier. And he looks like he's back. I mean, he's maybe slightly diminished. We could very easily be talking about how he should have been number one on this list after this, right? I mean, to me, you can still make the argument for LeBron James. That's why he belongs in this tier. So my question to you is, why can't you make the argument in your mind that LeBron is better than Giannis? Well, I think there's a a pretty significant, not huge, but significant margin in terms of defensive value in the playoffs between LeBron and the other two. You know, he's not the man-to-man defender and he's not the team defender that Giannis is in particular. I mean, Giannis was both of our pick for defensive player of the year in the regular season, and there's no reason to believe that can't extend. And even a ramped up LeBron is not that guy. Offensively, yeah, a fantastic creator. You, you know, your team's going to have a good offense. The transition effect is still real. But to me, to me, the argument, yeah, they're, they're maybe similar as playoff players, but then Giannis is a level beyond him as a regular season force. Also, the, the, the passage of time here. Remember, this is LeBron going from 35, hitting his, the, he would hit 36 during this year. Passage of time helps Giannis, hurts LeBron, Kawhi, we'll have to see. So that was a part of it for me. I, I'm totally fine having them in the same tier. That was, I was torn between that. And I, originally I was torn between having LeBron with some of the other guys below. And then I'm like, no, he's definitely above everybody else. So that's why he is in the tier two for me by himself. But the difference in, I, I, I think I've trusted as a scorer a little bit less than you. And there's this weird thing with LeBron, with the lost off the lost playoffs that we had last year. was So, okay, go back to 2018. LeBron was the best player in the 2018 playoffs. Yeah. And he very well could have been in 2019 had the Lakers made it, had he not gotten hurt and all that. But I'm not, I, I'm not willing to go that far yet. So maybe I'm actually, it's so weird to kind of be risk averse with a player who is this established. But there's a part of me that thinks that's a whole different cauldron. I haven't seen it with him in the same way that I've seen it with somebody like Kawhi. So I just, I want, I felt like the separation was appropriate, even though I was very torn. Yeah, I guess it depends what kind of risk you want, right? Giannis hasn't done it before at the absolute sure. highest levels. He didn't have a good series against a great Toronto team. You know, he, he, and he was awesome against Boston. He's been good in the playoffs a couple of years before that. And, you know, certainly he could have, I think he could have really feasted against Golden State, but they didn't make it that far in part because of his problems. Also, I this is a relatively ancillary thing. His free throw shooting really concerns me. Yeah, well, so that was the and, part and of the reason. his ability to make free throws at the end of games where you might feel a little bit hesitant to give him the ball in case he gets fouled. So I, I, I was going to mention this before. One of the reasons that I put Kawhi over Giannis is that I think if, you, if the idea of you just throw them onto random team, Kawhi is easier to fit in offensively just because he doesn't have as many weaknesses. Like Giannis' jump shot and the free yeah. throw and the free throw stuff. And LeBron, like, yeah, his, th- his three-point shooting and all of that is a lot better than Giannis for, as a point of reference this year, LeBron is taking 8.7 threes per 100 possessions, which is the most of his career, and he's making 35% of those. That's totally respectable. It's not yeah. amazing. And, and his spot-up shooting is even is better oh, yeah. than that. He doesn't take a lot of spot-ups. So. And, and, and you probably won't want him taking a lot of spot-ups because he's going to have the ball in his hands with almost every single team. Like, that that's just the way this is going to work. And, yeah. So I, I'm totally fine with the way you did it. That was one of the hardest calls that I had on the board was whether LeBron was with those guys or not. 
And um, in some ways, I'm kind of happy that you saw it differently just because that puts the marker and it allows us to talk about this difference, which was something I really did struggle with. Yeah, as I was saying, you're... Your risk with Giannis is he hasn't done it before. How is that game, which is not as diverse as LeBron's or Kawhi, going to play when you do go up against guys who can match him physically to some extent? And then for LeBron, obviously, the risk is, well, yeah, he's been really good in the regular season, but how good is his scoring at this point? I mean, he has been unbelievable posting up, too. Like he could, He's always got that he can fall back on. And when you look at the, the Lakers' numbers when he posts up, he, just, he hasn't been doing that that much in the regular season. And also worth noting, too that on other teams where he had another ball handler he could focus on scoring more he's got to really yeah. be the distributor for this Lakers well, team and, I mean and, I do agree yeah that's and, the one weakness I've seen yeah and and also theoretically on a different team maybe the defensive structure will be a little bit different and then you could or you could have more spacing you could there are different things like this Lakers team has specific strengths and weaknesses some of which are in tune with LeBron but some of which might actually be holding him back a little bit whereas the Bucks are perfect for Giannis right now as far as we can tell yeah um so yeah, that's why I have LeBron ahead, just because he's done it before. I think also coming off the rest, I, I, I'm kind of thinking too of just you know who I expect to be better in this playoffs. And yeah. so I'm not but so so, so the difference between down. Giannis and LeBron as regular season players, both in the abstract and this year, just didn't mean as much to you. Because to me, Giannis, to, he has been way better in the regular season. LeBron's my number two in MVP. He's no slouch. But like Giannis is far and away, has been far and away the best player. And so part of that is regular season value does matter. I mean, a Giannis team, I think would you would project them to have a better seed in the abstract. But then the other part of that is maybe that's more persuasive. Like Giannis has been better this year in the regular season than he was last year. So maybe he'll be a better playoff player too. I do think you make an important point, which I think actually hurts your argument, interestingly, of the fit for Giannis and just how I think everything, and they've done a great job of this, obviously, everything is optimized around him. Great coach, the defensive scheme of selling out to protect the well, rim. Like and he's a, obviously a four spacer at the five. I mean, that's, right. that's, that's another just gigantic one that the Bucks have. Now, some of those guys do exist. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. That, you could also just play him at the five, though, too. True. Like the, you, you have that option on a normal team. But then you got to come up with a three and D uh, wing or power forward. You know, th- those don't grow on trees either. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see... I mean, we, we've talked a lot about Giannis's offensive foibles, but I also think his... He, I think you could take another step defensively in the playoffs too and if he's you know if he's that force you know like kind of we've talked about it with Kawhi and other guys and be whatever that is whether that's a lockdown guy or rim protector or whatever anchor or just a pure disruptor at the four however you want to see it that's another way that he can generate value I mean he he is a better defensive player now than LeBron for sure and Kawhi in the playoffs we'll have to see yeah the other thing that comes to mind for me about Giannis I think when you're really locked in on him as far as transition and you really try to load to him, like you can have a little bit of success slowing him down. He is very dependent on transition. The Bucks overall are very dependent on transition. And yeah, loading to him, you can open up some threes, but that's not as as much of a concern as him going right to the basket and dunking on you. Well, so, I, but I think you know, load, loading to him, that could, if you structured a team differently, that they could have guys who could take advantage of that. I mean, think about how the Warriors can take advantage of that. Like there are other teams that could use, could wield that somewhat differently than the Bucks do. Not that they're bad, but yeah. like just... I mean, they, they've got more shooting than most teams, I would say. So yeah, but I, I, I think of it like in transition, like guys who bust their ass a little bit more who could create, like they're, they're a little bit older in that respect to me. Um, So that's one thing uh, that I, I think that doesn't, necessarily play as well you know he doesn't have the post game the individual offense necessarily either so I think that there are just little weaknesses. The free throw shooting is another one. Not being able to sense when the double team is coming. He's just got these little issues to his game that don't play. You just you worry that it could potentially get taken advantage of in the playoffs. Not being as good at the end of games. Not being able to shoot the three. You know that really comes and goes as well. So does his mid range jumper. He just it's easier. I think and maybe his strengths will just completely completely overwhelm you so much that it doesn't matter but to me I, I I think it's a little bit lower risk to go with Kawhi and LeBron because we've seen them do it before we've it's been shown that they are really really difficult to stop because they have more variety to their games okay let's take a quick break and we'll get into the next tier here in just a second anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear 
formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. So you had LeBron by himself in a tier at number three. Yeah. I thought very seriously about putting my number four player into tier one. And that was Stephen Curry. Uh, I have, but I instead have him in a tier four, five, six. Curry is four. James Harden number five. Luka Doncic number six. That is very similar to mine. I labeled my tier three. It's four through seven offensive linchpins. The idea behind it is these are all players who, if you threw them on a team, my expectation would be that their offense is is really good. And the one player I added in, I had the first three in identical order to you. I added Lillard in here. Remember that I had Curry and Lillard in the same tier in the point guard rankings, which we. Did mere days ago. And Lillard versus Luca, I'm interested because this was another one of those, like, I think we, we, like, you know, we're a little bit of a different mind on it, but. I, I want I want it since I think my argument might in some ways be more straightforward because I just went through some of this in the point guard rankings. I want since you had them in different tiers and you might not even have Lillard seven. I have no idea. Um, what where was your thought process there? I think that Luca's ability and an ISO and passing ability, he's just got more things that he can do than Lillard. He can post up. He's a great pick and roll player. He, I mean, he's got the step back like Lillard, but he can also get that off more easily because he's six eight. Uh, he can get to the rim and finish more easily you can't really double team him the way that you can lower because he can see over the defense and just dime guys up a lot more easily um so I, I that's what it is but i think the biggest thing to me is what he can do one-on-one this year i mean that's i think that's going to play really well in the playoffs i mean he just gets by just about anybody I mean, the, the moves that he has is just ridiculous now his hesitations his strength once he gets you on the hip his ability to change speeds slow down loft that floater in each i mean the fact that he shoots over 75 percent at the rim that's just completely insane so i i'm just and then he's piloting the number one offense in nba history right now and i just think lillard lillard to me he's had big moments in the playoffs but against teams that weren't as good he petered out a little bit last year against denver and then really against golden state and so i i don't think lillard has proven himself as particularly good or bad in the playoffs just kind of about average I, I i would say it's a little bit stronger than that but so this is what gets interesting well, well is- if you look at his numbers before last year in really his numbers in just about any series except that crazy one against okc where he had one of the great series in nba history yeah they're not that great and, and i mean we've seen him get we've seen him but, get stopped but, in the but, playoffs but i think a part of that is also again we're throwing them onto the average team remember portland had so little that teams could just aggressively trap him the, the, I, I think you could like for example the way that new orleans defended him going back to that series which was an abject failure in a lot of ways for the portland trailblazers i didn't see that as lillard's fault i mean they doubled him and portland kept on and, and they had great defenders that was a really well, good okay but but like luca is gonna you can't do that to him because he's just gonna dime guys up every single time right like, like but i mean if, that, if, if you put uh, so like i mean you brought up luca finishing his finishing at the rim part of the reason he's finishing at the rim is because he's plays with a floor spacing center like i mean i i that you get the warriors were i mean he, he he played with dwight powell a, a I mean, lot of the year powell's too. one of the best role men in the league i, I mean i think that the the circumstances in for luca in that respect have been you know some of them are are, are very very favorable they're in, they're a better off they're a great offensive team historic i'm not arguing that luca shouldn't be in this tier but what's so interesting is you in this case 
you're comfortable arguing in the abstract that, and and part of this is, I mean, Luke has been way better. I mean, the CR, you know, he's been so much better than last year that it'll work in the playoffs. And I mean, there's reason to believe that, to be sure. I mean, the the change of the change of speed, and he's shifty, and he's an unbelievable passer. Those things aren't going away. But getting into the playoffs, when you change the sample, and there are a lot of better defenders, both at the rim and man-to-man defenders, it's so much of a change. We talked about how in some ways it's a different sport, even with a lot of the same players. And it's hard for me to say, oh, he's definitely going to be better than like what Lillard has done, not having seen it. And not having seen, and, and so I, I think that again we're getting into it. It's a different kind of risk. It's a different kind of evaluation. But like both those guys to me are good enough to get you there. And I can't. For, I didn't feel well, well ex- except for this year when Dame is actually not going to get. Well, there. I mean, but yeah, but if, if that situation, I mean, do you think that that's Lillard's fault? I don't. Well, it's not his fault, but he also isn't overcoming it. Uh, I mean, again, like I mean, you're, we're, that doesn't mean he's a bad player, but it does mean that he could be doing better than he's than he's been doing. Um, I mean, who knows? Steph Curry might not have gotten to the Warriors right. the playoffs this year either. But and but we'll see. I mean, I, I, I have a feeling actually, given where it's going to land, he probably would have. But um, so so here's the th- this is the thing though to me. You agree that Luca has been better in the regular season this sure, year, right? Of course. No, no, there is no a, argument there is, there there is an argument to make that Luka Doncic has been the most valuable offensive player in the entire NBA this year. There's a totally wor- worthy argument of that. Yeah, and so Dame isn't like some guy who overall has raised his game in the playoffs we've seen that he's gotten you know there have been schematic things that good defense has been able to do to cause him some problems and so i think even if you take the normal discount uh, for going into the playoffs most players are a little bit worse in the playoffs luca is still to me pretty comfortably ahead of him and he just has there's so many more things that he can do offensively than damon so you know i, I don't expect luca is going to have some amazing playoffs this year um because it's just it's such a new experience and i think you know that's probably the best argument that you can have but to me he's been so much better than dame in the regular season this year and i don't see anything about his game in particular other than just inexperience that means it's not going to well, translate i i think part of it is just going up the, the ramping up the quality and intensity of defense is just a totally different thing and i think that you know the physic it's not that he has you know these huge physical advantages but guys being able to recover better guys being able to 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 scheme after scheme after him better i think that all those all those things when we've seen a lot of guys slow down adjust and 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 that's and luca also remember he's young enough that the passage of time is really going to help him and all that type of stuff but i I didn't. I just didn't see it as as a comfortable enough distinction. But we should move up towards the top. I mean, one of the one of the crazy things about this is we both had the the player. We both had number three in MVP. We both had number five over uh, or sorry behind a player who basically didn't play this year. Yeah, well, Steph Curry has always been better than James Harden. True, and I see no reason why that would be any different right now. I, I agree, and I mean, I had I had Steph over Harden. Like you, I wondered if I should put him in a firm tier, but a par- part of the reason why I didn't there's this was was the argument of availability. I think Curry is a better playoff player than Harden. I think that the the as much as the Harden supporters have have argued that for years, I think the the overall body of evidence is is getting is getting pretty clear there. And even though Curry has had some favorable circumstances. You get into that. But one of the values of Harden in this overall concept is that he is a more consistent, more available regular season guy. He can log a ton of minutes. And while Curry, he had this stretch where he played 78 or more games for five straight seasons. Since then, 51 games, 69 games, and five. And yeah. availability... Oh, I, I don't know that I would put the the five sure, but against like, it. And that's, that's a broken hand. It's I mean, a broken... He does kind of take some falls, you know. I, I, but, and I it's, more, that, but... it's more likely that a fall is going to do something to him than to Harden because he's less sturdy, you know, all that, all that type of yeah. stuff. I mean, I mean, he just takes more hard falls and something like that. But I mean, so so what are you? You're making the argument for Harden? Now? Oh no, I have Curry. I have Curry. Curry. I have Curry over Harden. But I wanted to yeah. so I say that it's like it's it's somewhat close. And then and then the other part with Curry is he's at around the point in time where we don't know if this year would have shown a few little not not flaws, but just a weakening of his strengths. Like one of the mo- most amazing things with Curry is that his um his multi year PIPM, which you know factors in a couple different things, is actually his multi year offensive PIPM is actually still number one in the NBA despite this year. And that's like, so there's an yeah. argument. Again, that's part of why I thought this group was so compelling. And this is actually, again, I'm going to make an effective argument against something that I did, which is the three different people that I think you can make the best argument are the best offensive straight offense only player in the NBA are Curry, Harden, and Luka in some order. 
and then LeBron is probably in that mix too, and LeBron is way better than those guys defensively, and is better and has more established as a playoff player. So that is an interesting an interesting way to think of your group. So I mean, to me, Curry just last year averaged thirty eight a game on awesome efficiency against the the Blazers. Not a great team, but that's still in the finals he, or the conference finals. He basically single handedly eviscerated Houston and sent them home in a game you know outplaying Harden in that series and once KD went down I wouldn't say that the Warriors necessarily had that much more of a talent advantage outside of those two players um and Steph to me he even when his shot isn't falling he still has so much more of an effect on the defense whereas Harden you know all right so he can drive and draw some attention and pass guys open but if he's missing his step back three-pointer now you could say they got to double team him at the point of attack. I think that was more of a opportunity because Russell Westbrook wasn't playing well. They also had Capel. They didn't have the shooters early in the season. Now that Westbrook has been better, teams haven't double teamed him at the point of attack. And you know, Harden doesn't move off the ball. And then when you throw in the fit where Harden, yes, he can defend the post. I get it. But you have to play a switching system with him essentially, or he's just, or he has to guard the four and he's not really a good enough help defender to guard the four. And so that's, that to me, his plug and play ability is much lower and i think you i mean i'm not gonna cite the all-star draft as like a huge component here but i think most players would rather play with Steph than hard because they understand that intuitively that you Steph is always going to have gravity. He'll play off the ball. He's a little bit more of an unselfish player, whereas Harden kind of needs the ball to be effective. And we haven't seen him be able to have dominating playoffs the way we've seen with Curry. So, so I think ultimately that's where, um, and Harden has kind of had, you know, a few beef with the two biggest superstar teammates that he's played with. Well, so uh, you know, Steph Curry has never had that. You're, you're, you're leading into what is, what is the, another challenge that I had, which is based on everything you said is, is should Luca be above Harden? And my answer was, no, I, I thought that the yeah. you know no track record is is uncomfortable. Same thing I talked about with Lillard and Harden. You know he's he is more established both in the regular season and the playoffs. But I thought like based on what you've said and like you know the idea of all like in different circumstances what you have to do around Harden. I think that's an interesting argument. Even though I would I went with Harden as you did. Yeah, and Luca might I could easily see him moving above Harden, maybe even uh, above Curry, but it still I mean Harden has still been decent in the playoffs. It, you know, he still has been led teams to good finishes in the playoffs even if he ultimately hasn't been at the level of Curry or LeBron or or Kawhi. So I had Dame Lillard lower. I didn't even have him as the top guy in my next group. I had him in tier three. Number seven is Anthony Davis, and number eight is Damian Lillard for me. Yeah, so that that largely squares. And and again, it was it was one of my toughest decisions. Was so so why do you have Lillard above? I mean, I know we've talked about Lillard a lot here, but why do you have him above Davis? Because I believe he can be the he can be the engine for a, a successful offense. You know, I think that he can he can be that. He is not a perfect playoff player, but a proven playoff player. And with AD he is you know he's in some ways the the this idea that i've always had so much trouble with of like okay he's a great player on both ends of the floor but is he the best player on either end for a championship team and you can make an argument that lillard isn't the best offensive player on a championship team too and that's probably the argument that you are going to make but davis it's partially that he has to be and we've seen this throughout his career that he has to be more complimentary offensively you know he he can make an offense he can be a supercharger he can make them better we're seeing it with the lakers this year we saw in New Orleans throughout his career with various levels of teammates and he can be an impactful defensive player but that guy who is like to me it's it's just a little bit lower who who isn't the alpha and the omega even on either end of the floor it's just it means that you need a lot and maybe you could say he can be the best defensive player in championship I think that's reasonable but I think they have to have a damn good offense well this is where you get into I think Davis is uh, I agree with you are you talking about he's your best offensive player yeah, you may not be able to have a good enough offense, but I think he can be your best defensive player. And I think if you, he is, I don't think any of the players below us, with the, with one exception here, which, which I'll get to, um, who has some question marks due to health. But to me, we're below the point now where you're talking about, okay, this guy is a number one on a championship team, unless he's got like a lot around him. Yeah, like uh, there's a real strong number two and all that, you know, an ensemble. Yeah, so... 
Now, Davis, to me, is probably the best second banana of this group because he can shoot, he can run in transition, he can finish around the rim, he can switch defensively, he could be your best, he could play the four, he could play the five, his passing has improved as well, he doesn't need the ball to be successful offensively, he's probably one of the best finishers in basketball, Um, he can even space the floor a little bit from three, that's been an evolving part of his game. So he's another guy where you look at, you'd be hard-pressed to find any weaknesses for him which I, I really like and we'll see how he pl- plays in the playoffs this year but yeah I know he's only been in the playoffs twice but his playoffs that's very very good oh yeah I mean uh, he, w- he was he was great in the series when the the Pelicans got swept by the Warriors back in the day and he was excellent in the sweep that they had over Portland and he was not the reason that they lost to the Warriors th- in the subsequent series yeah I mean his his playoff resume is very good and I mean, he has the best supporting cast that he's ever had this year. And it's yeah. a supporting cast that includes a player who's better than he is, which is great. Um, yeah, yeah and, and two of those three series that he played were against all-time great teams. And, absolutely. I mean, you, you say, okay, he can't be the number one option. I mean, he's got 31% usage in the playoffs and 60% true shooting, basically. And yeah, it, but I played, mean... It's not like I mean, he he did that, but it's, and again, like it's not like they're I, from what I recall, and I would have to go back and really do digging and small sample size and all that. It's not like their offense was amazing in those series. Like he was the he was the biggest he was the biggest piece, but it's not like there's a difference between being the biggest piece in something that's really successful and being the biggest piece. Yeah, I, I mean their offense was pretty good in that Portland series. Oh yeah, but I mean their defense and, was and their defense was unbelievable. Yeah, so I I mean he individual and and I mean I I see that point right. Like he's not. He's not the guy driving your awesome offense, right? I mean, he he scores with his own efficiency. Like, that so, really but, but helps here, you. So here's here's my question with with AD, and the, you know, we we both ranked Drew Holiday a little bit lower when we did the point guard rankings. Is let's say you have a the the initiator. Let's use that term. So then you can widen up to whatever position that dude plays. Is in the bottom. Is in not in the top fifteen. So it's pretty good, you know, but not amazing. Do you think Davis elevates that as much? Like, like I. I, I'm sure, I know he helps. He's definitely a positive offensive player. I have him in a tier above everybody else. I mean, I don't think we have a ton of disagreement on that point. But it's like, I, I think that it, it's 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 something that gives me a little bit of uncertainty is that when, you, when you're when you not generating those kind of seams, does the offense sing or does it bog down a little bit? And, I, and it might be that, that you're right and that it would absolutely work. But I'm not as confident. I think he's also probably the second best defensive player uh, in this group that we've talked about. Oh, absolutely. So, so that's that's got to deserve uh, sure deserve something. Yeah. So I, I yeah I think he's yeah he, he's not your a great number one offensive player. I think that's the, but I don't think Lillard is good enough to be the number one offensive player unless he's paired with a Davis type right like then then maybe Lillard is good enough so it's to me and Davis, I, 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 hon- I honestly think that our, our disagreement here as it as it were is a disagreement on the evaluation of Lillard not an evaluation of AD because like you didn't put AD in the tier with Luca and all that and I think that's that was that's the real difference of opinion and you had Lillard and AD in the same tier you just had Davis above him I'm correct on that right yeah so Davis I think that's seven, I think that's eight. I think that's the disagreement I think we're pretty close on AD He's an unbelievable player, but you need certain other things around him to work. It's just that we disagree a little bit on whether Lillard could do it by himself. All right, take a quick break here. We'll get into the the rest of this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. But so, so what's uh what was the trepidation that you expressed before the break i had a moment I, I did my prep on this this morning and i realized once i got past eight that it was so hard to make heads or tails of every single other person that was left and a part of that i got a little bit residually angry for beyond all the other reasons about kevin durant's injury because obviously if durant was if he had never torn his achilles then he's he's in these yeah. first few tiers he, he was number one for me last year yeah and i thought he was playing at that level before he got hurt Right. And so like, so then that becomes a part of it. And it, and then it was like, oh crap. I mean, so I built out my list. I went through the, like the tiers, the, 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 the position rankings we did before. And I just had so many guys. It's just like, and once you get past the tiers, I just, I just want, it's kind of like, it wasn't necessarily, like, I just, I just had trouble like making these last couple spots. And I didn't, I wish it wasn't as frustrating as it was. Yeah. I, to me, I thought that there were really two players that were above everyone else here i mean i still have them in the same tier because they have some question marks okay but if you're talking about at their best so my number nine is kevin durant 
And I think when he comes back, his defense is not going to be as good. I think he's not going to have the same explosiveness. And we'll see where he's at in terms of his ability to score, get to the basket. He's going to have that ability to rise up from mid-range always and from three, I think. I think this is a reasonable place. This is about where I anticipate that he'll be. His availability is also a concern. Future injury is also a concern. I mean, he's going to be, what, 31 next year? Yeah, it will uh, actually it will be his age 32 season. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. I I couldn't remember which one it was, but so certainly you would expect on the normal aging curve at 32, he probably would be, you know, around the three to five range you just don't know i mean he's tall and he can shoot so you would expect he's going to age pretty well he also has just never taken the greatest care of his body i mean part of that is just his body type but he's never been like oh man you can really see he's gotten stronger he's gotten thicker but it's just he never has struck me as like a workout warrior certainly in his golden state days maybe he was before that um well also like he's like you kind of see that to an extent and some of it is his frame that he doesn't always defensively impose his will physically as much as you think that he could I mean, he's not at the like Brandon Ingram level or anything like that, but yeah. it's more it's more using his length rather than everything else. Yeah, and he he'd gotten to the point where in the regular season he was kind of bad for the Warriors. I, I thought he was one of their big reasons why their defense slipped a lot over the couple of years that he was there. And you know, hopefully he'll still be able to protect the rim. Okay, he's never been a great box out guy in the class. Like I think he's probably you know maybe he could bring it in the playoffs, but he's just it, also when guys come back from injury, especially a star like this, they're more focused on being what they thought made them a star. Like they're focused on getting back to where they were offensively. The defense just kind of lags it's not as big a part of their identity right and just in their own mind i had durant number nine as well and a part of that was out of respect for the player that he has been for his the entirety of his career before this injury and another part of it is because of how offensively plug and playable he is i mean unbelievable shooter with his size you could throw him in any offense and he's going to make it sing and even whether he's the best player i mean when almost definitely he would be or the second best player in that offense they're going to kick ass and that is an extremely valuable thing you he you know he shoots at a at a size and a positional range where you don't always have that kind of a guy he can get to his shot against damn near everybody because of his size and those things aren't going away there are other things that might and i think i agree with you that the defensive side of the ball is significantly more troublesome for me than the offensive side but that's why i had him here and durant i mean the other reason why i mean i even considered having him in the next tier up is if we're gaming this out this kind of ties in with one of the themes that we've said if he's closer to 100 by the playoffs he's an unbelievable playoff player and would be you know can can get into you know he'll ramp up his defensive intensity but the reason i didn't have him in the same tier with ad is one some uncertainty with injury and two because he's just not that level of regular season guy and 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 if durant's your best player like you know like ad could theoretically be though he's not on his own team right now is is that in that circumstance the team might it might be a much bigger struggle because defensively especially you have to put more around it yeah that's true i mean if he's not going to guard the other team's best player now you need another exactly three and d wing now in the regular season you can get by with that because not as many teams have players of that ilk but yeah i mean i think the the big thing i'm concerned about with him is just his pick and roll his off the dribble game is he going to have the same sort i think the post-up game kind of that mid-range take a couple of dribbles rise up iso game i think that's still that's still going to be there it's just a question of how much everything else is going to win so I, I i agree with you i don't think my projection and he could prove me wrong he could come back and be the exact same guy you never know uh, but my projection is he'll kind of be more of a second banana he'll be a solid all-star level maybe you know third team all nba type of guy not someone you're talking about as the best player in a championship team anymore um nine number 10 was paul george george again as had some really good playoff runs his shooting his size his defense not as good on ball anymore but still very good off the ball health has been a concern but he's starting to round into form and again not your number one on offense but a very solid number two and i I think he the the injuries this year i'm largely willing to look past i I would say and so i I think to me i have him a little bit higher than some of these other guys i've even considered dropping some of these other guys into another tier but i i I held it steady maybe you'll convince me into it but with him at number 10 and then you can speed this up here i've got the rest of the guys in this tier are joel Embiid, nikola Jokic, and carl anthony towns that's uh 11 through 13 so they would technically be honorable mentions uh, outside of the top 10 paul drew is my number 10 
I was really torn on Paul George versus Joel Embiid because I love the theory of Embiid. I mean, going back to draft analysis from days gone by and everything like that, the idea of a lockdown defensive center, and I I firmly believe that Embiid has that potential. I think that he can be better defensively than he's been, and he's also been really damn good. He also has been, an you know, he's had some really good playoff series. You know, you can go back to, I, I thought he did a really good job in the Toronto series last year. I thought he's, you know, he's had a, he's had some strong performances yeah. throughout. Defensively. And, defensively, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I love that. You know, that's a, it's a very easy sales pitch for me. And I I personally, and you have a more encyclopedic memory of this than I do. I, I like Joel Embiid's playoff resume when you factor in context and everything else like that. Like I think, especially in those early Sixers years, thought that things didn't necessarily make sense. And yeah, there were some underperforming and all that. But well, well so, so what is his playoff resume? Like, has he had even like one dominant series yet? I thought he did. His four, so four series. He didn't even play in that Miami series Correct. until like game three because he had a broken face. And then, but I thought he played. He really I thought disappointed. He played, I thought he played pretty well from what I recall in that Miami series after his. Broken yeah, face. I, I mean, and, and you know, he's had some injury reasons. This is also a guy who he just has so many nagging injuries all the time. This is one of that, one of the that, reasons that I, I pushed. I put concern. him behind Paul George, but the other one is sort of similar in a weird way to the Kevin Durant one, even though they're very different as players. You could put so many different things around Paul George. Like you can fit him with a lot of different types of point guards. You know he'll he'll make your defense better, so you don't need as good of a defensive center. Maybe you can get a little bit more offense from that guy, and that's a part of why I ended up going with Paul George at number ten. Is that I think that he fits in. And remember, like I mean, I had George before he got hurt last year. I had him third in the MVP. I had him seventh in the top ten player rankings. And really, the biggest thing that happened this past year was that he started the year hurt. Like that was the the biggest thing that happened. I think that you know getting getting back from the shoulder surgeries is a big is a big adjustment so i ended up going with george over Embiid at 10 but i mean i I, like if you were to tell me right now especially when you consider the relative age the ages of those two guys one of george or Embiid is the best player in a playoff series ignoring the fact that one of them is not the best player in his own team and one of them is i i I, my my instinct is that a first round playoff series yeah that's fair that's fair but is paul george gonna be the best player on his team in a second round playoffs well that's what i'm saying yeah you just said george or Embiid, so that's what i was gonna say so this is what i would say about Embiid. Uh, you know he had a bad series against Toronto. mark just completely shut him down offensively shut down yeah he got shut down by boston they disappointed they in theory should have won that series in 2018 and then even in that next series he had some big games so he actually missed a game uh, game three when he was he was questionable there's there's that whole deal but here's the argument for him i think and that is his points per possession on post-ups are just so ridiculous this year and he's never had really amazing shooting around him because he's been playing with ben simmons a, a lot of the way and so if you played him the way that the 95 rockets used akeem olajuwon would he be able to beat just so dominant in the post i i'm not sure about that i think you know and we have seen him get defended one-on-one pretty well by certain players al horford against boston and then uh marcus against toronto so and you would imagine that as he gets into the playoffs there are teams that could do that or teams that could double team effectively enough to where you know his passing is only okay out of the post so I think it's more likely than not that he wouldn't be able to be the hub of a championship level offense, but it's fair to note that the context hasn't done him many favors in that regard. He, here's something, Bananas. The last time we saw Paul George, and this isn't his fault, I'm not using this to demerit him, I've just put him 10th. The last time we saw Paul George play in the second round of the playoffs was 2014. They've had some real tough, some good, like they had that seven gamer when he was on the Pacers against like a superior, against a superior team. But yeah, to, to, Toronto in 2016. 16, but yeah. he was the best player in that he was the best player in that series but it is it is kind of amazing and and paul george you know like he's averaged over those over those single series he's averaged 27 points per game 7.6 rebounds so again he wasn't the reason in a lot of those series that they yeah, lost but but he also i mean he disappointed those two years in okc ah, that, i would i would agree they did play. and i thought that the, the shoulder issue does give him some cover for last year but not all cover how do you feel about Jokic and carl anthony towns i'm probably higher on towns than most people i mean i think it's become very popular to crap on him at this point uh you know i i don't I, i'm worried you know you're not getting the championship equity with him maybe a reason why he should should be lower is that maybe it's just not possible to have a good enough defense no matter who you have with him it, it to get into championship contention but we're, we're not really at that point either but you know i think you got a good argument that 
Pascal Siakam or Chris Middleton or even Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler should be above Towns because and now you're but at this level you're kind of getting into the playoff versus regular season value um and, and this is the top 10 players we don't need to spend too much time on that but it, it's a uh, Jokic Towns what are your feelings uh, on them I mean were they even either of those guys even in consideration for the top 10 for you yeah Jokic Jokic was much more strongly in consideration than Towns just because he has I mean what what he did last year for the Denver Nuggets especially in the regular season but you know he did a good job in the in the Spurs series as well um granted not the most inspiring opposition but certainly was there towns hasn't had that opportunity but he also hasn't had that type of performance another guy that i had kind of in this same conversation who was in my top 10 last year is kyrie irving the availability thing is a big concern and that's why he didn't make my top 10 i lightly i would say lightly yeah. considered and he also wasn't good in the playoffs last year either also fair um and so again it was like the same type of like are are they enough and i i just thought for so i threw a little bit of a line between I had it with between Jokic and everybody else, but it's a faint one. And one of the other guys that you didn't mention, he's been hurt all year, but hard to hard to get here is Clay Thompson. Like yeah. Clay, I mean, again, he he fits everywhere. He can he's an elite second banana who never really got a chance to be a first banana. And passage of time, you know, he's he's gonna be older, come back from an ACL tear. But like I had him in the same tier as these guys as well. A same same tier as these guys like Irving and Towns and all that. Yeah, I mean, Clay is tough, especially coming off the torn ACL. I mean, I kind of had him in the lower end all nba 15 type of range last year and i think now at coming off the acl and being another year older it's hard for me to put him there until we really see what he looks like um you know trey young is just too too low as well it just too many weaknesses in the playoffs to really be seriously in this discussion yeah. but like here's some of the the names i considered here you know rudy gobert and pascal siakam bradley beal middleton jimmy butler russell westbrook uh, who i know will we'll probably you'll chafe at but you can hear us argue about westbrook from, uh, from that pod last week and the point guard rings you haven't listened to it Kyrie Tatum and that's not even considering Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell I mean this top 25 or so in the league is very strong to me well, and, right and, now and, maybe that's just everyone's stats are inflated but it, it's it, it's a very impressive group and a lot of solid young talent there as well it, it is an impressive group and there's a an, a dynamic that I think is important in this we got into this a little bit in the crystal ball pod of a lot of the guys not at the top end you know a lot of those guys are going to get worse you know they're post prime or in prime but these young guys coming up, and I think that's why Luca and Giannis are so important in terms of where this is going, is that I think there's there's a lot of, there's not much room for immediate upward mobility unless you're as good as like Luca's been this year. But two years or so from now, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff here. All right. Yeah. Ben Simmons, not really in consideration here for you. Would you say even? No, not, not, for, really the, not for the top, top 20. 10. Even. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not even top, top 20, I'd say. So let's, uh, biggest fallers. From last year, let's uh, let's break out our old old rankings. Kevin Durant, he was my number one. Now he's number nine. He's I mean, that's... my number three to number nine. That's a big fall. Steph Curry was number two for me. Now he's number four. Uh, just and the the rise of LeBron and Kawhi really has been the thing that's pushed him down. And then also just missing the whole year. I mean, I, I you did have a little bit at least of trepidation after that broken hand. I mean, I think he's going to be fine, but he's also a year older. We haven't seen if he was coming off a dominating regular season right now. I'd feel better about maybe even pushing him into that top group, but that it's not the case. You just because there's uncertainty about how that extra year of aging would affect him that's part of why i had to lower him a little bit uh you know certainly nothing he did in the playoffs to me does made him deserve being pushed down yeah for me paul uh curry felt went from two to four and you know and, and drop dropped some tears so that, that 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 is important the other one paul george i had him seventh last year he fell to tenth and you know it's not like he did anything particularly terrible though he wasn't great in that portland series last year it's just that he was awesome in the regular season last year and was was less yeah. present and less good this year and, and he just he to me got passed by Lillard and obviously Doncic who didn't figure in this at all right. last year Kyrie was number nine for me last year I th- I would probably have him like low teens uh maybe even like 20th at this point. I guess that would be high teens maybe even as low as 20th at this point with with the injuries all the drama and not having had a good playoffs you know we haven't really seen him perform in the playoffs when he wasn't playing with LeBron James he just he, he hasn't proven that he can be the best player on a really really good team and the fact that Boston 
hasn't really missed much of a beat without him that the nets even you know didn't play that much worse when he was out there, there's just a lot of a, a lot of arrows being fired at, at Kyrie right now and then the, the health this is three of the last six years he hasn't been able to finish the season um biggest risers Luca I mean yeah from out of nowhere not but big surprise. not top 10 or considered to number six in the same tier with Curry and Harden and with for me Lillard that that's a huge gigantic jump and it's it's possible that that's too low you know it's very possible given how he's played that he should be in a, in a stronger position I mean I, I said before like he might be the best offensive player in the NBA right now and he's so damn young that he'll that you could hope that he'll be better than this moving forward yeah Kawhi was number six last year for me that's it, the most important was... jump to me going from yeah. six to one for both of us is incredible yeah yeah and LeBron was five he's two for me now and he moved up a tier for you i guess um he actually didn't move so. up a tier but he sort of did because it was my tier two was my tier two was different last year yeah harden is about the same i moved him out of tier one though because he he was just had such a nasty regular season last year he had moved to a new level and then they weren't able to get it done again in the playoffs and so i moved him down a little bit Hard, uh, harden is basically in exactly the same spot for me number five same same basic tier it's it's kind of funny yeah um, and so Giannis stays at number three. AD stays at number seven. And really, no uh, Embiid, Towns, Jokic, pretty much all in the same order. Blake Griffin was a huge faller. He was number fourteen for me last year. And Lamarcus Aldridge was pretty high for me too. He's he's not anywhere close to that consideration either. So, um, who would you say has the most upward or downward mobility over the next year or so, or, or the next? I, I guess it is the next year or so. We don't know what yeah. we'll be doing this next year, but let's see. Uh, upward mobility. I think you can make an argument for Durant just because he has been that level of player. Um, right. and so that that it, it is it is a lot easier to get there if you've already been there. Like for Paul George, let's say you know have those guys have those guys. In the same tier paul george has never been the level of player that kevin durant was as recently as last year before he got hurt i you know like maybe one of the young point guards trey is probably the leader here makes a big push and then we we think they're kind of undeniable yeah. i mean he's not he's not gonna have a playoffs under his belt though right. I, I can't see any way i would have him in the top 10 i could year. see it, maybe maybe ad moves into the tier above where it's not a huge numeric jump but it's a symbolic jump i could see yeah that would be like to me that would be really important um let's see who else could really jump up i mean any of these young dudes right like tatum yeah sure certainly could siakam uh yeah siakam certainly could chris middleton actually could be someone who really moves up a little bit i mean statistically what he's done this year has been awesome and he's been a pretty good playoff player if we're talking about the bucks winning the finals and him being the second best player having a really nice playoffs he could pop into maybe not the top 10 but very you know maybe you know the 13 12 range i I could also see towns you know if if we say that's the most favorable system like if they figure some parts of this out yeah i could see you know kind of getting into that range but again maybe not because Nikola Jokic had had an unbelievable year last year kind of as good as we could hope for towns and he's still not in our top 10 yeah, I mean, there's a lot of upward mobility this year, I think. Um, Embiid, if he has a, a great sure. playoffs, that that could be one. Um, Jokic, if he has a great playoffs, that, that could be one also. I mean, I think it's more likely that Embiid has a dominating playoffs than, uh, than Jokic does. Steph Curry isn't going to have a playoffs this year, but maybe he is just so good in the regular season next year that he pops back into that top tier. And Giannis, of course, I mean, he could easily be the number one player here. Uh, if the Bucks win the championships and he's the best player in the playoffs, that's totally within the realm of possibility for me. Yeah, item too. So. Paul George could move up a lot as well. I think. What about uh, what about downward mobility? KD <laughs> from from yeah. nine, right? Like it, it, these post injury cases are always tough. You're usually you end up kind of splitting the difference, but usually it's kind of either good outcome or bad outcome well, so, for a lot of these guys. I wonder what it would take. I, I mean, I think Harden's pretty firm where he is. But you kind of wonder if there's, I mean, if there's ever a step step back. Like I think you and I will move him, will will turn on him a little bit earlier than other people will. I don't think it's coming this soon, but it is coming at some point. Yeah, I mean, who knows? He could even be on another team a, a year from Possibly. now. That that would be fascinating. But yeah, we'll see how he plays in the playoffs this year. He has fallen off a little bit. It seemed like he was struggling with some health issues. The hiatus maybe a, a chance for for him to get well. And right, anything else that stuck out to you here before we go? It's a really strong group. I mean, players, uh, Luke. That's what makes Luca's rise so impressive. Is that it's hard to break into these to break into these tiers. I mean, Jokic. I mean, Jokic is such a is such an informative example. He was had was unbelievable last year and still is, didn't break in. And 
you and I both really value, and part of that is because we really value playoff excellence, playoff production. And that's, you know, that's what makes this so exciting, but also why I'm so happy that we do this when we do. Because if we did this in July, we would be prisoners of the moment. And I, I really like that the playoffs are super important, yeah. but they're also it's, more It's distant. kind of predictive, yeah. right? I, I think you, you, you find out whether you're right. Like Kawhi was too low last year, obviously, but we just, he kind of wasn't as good in the regular season. His defense wasn't as good. We didn't know whether his health was holding up so it, he proved it in the playoffs and, and that's uh, that was what was so awesome about it but i, I like it. it's kind of just a prediction of uh, who's going to be the best in this year's playoffs in some ways um all right anything else are we uh anything to talk about before we go no I, I think we're about good i have i have some pieces in the works right now and some other stuff but it's not all the way ready yet so i'll announce it when it's up yeah hollinger and i did a decade tournament of the worst teams from awesome. last decade and we've i think you would enjoy listening oh to i, I definitely you, i definitely will i've been kind of saving it for <laughs> saving it for a moment where i need to pick me up yeah we, we've gotten a lot of actually some pretty funny tweets uh, about it uh, well especially re- like remembrances of years past as, as a league past maven like there there are a lot of people i'm sure have like real strong memories of like one or two of those teams but like i remember all of them i'm sure like going through i even because you and i had talked about the concept of it before you and john executed it and it was like i was thinking back to some of those and just going oh god just remembering remembering all of the glory that we've seen in the last 10 years <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's fun, and we'll uh, we'll be back. Still got three more days this week, so uh, let us know how you uh, like this Twitch thing. We're gonna. I'll try to tweet out when we're about to record in the future, and we'll probably start bringing in a segment where after we record, people can comment a, a little bit. Also, hey, if you got comments on this top ten players list, maybe send them to us, and we can address a few of those, like we did for the top ten prospects as well. Those are those are always fun to do. So yeah, we're just starting out this Twitch thing. Hopefully, you can check it out. Twitch.tv/slash Nate Duncan NBA. I'll, I'll. I mean, we our recording schedule is always variable um but uh, we'll try to give you a little bit of a heads up on twitter before we do it and so we'll also start doing some segments where we actually respond to people's comments in real time thanks everyone who commented here it it was fun to hear you guys uh i I was at least watching the comments while you guys were uh or or while we were doing this so that was a lot of fun and we will talk to y'all tomorrow night till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 